You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Lights up, theater people, and welcome to Your Program is Your Ticket, where we cover all levels of theater from the biggest of Broadway blockbusters to the smallest regional, local, and experimental theatrical productions. In fact, on Your Program is Your Ticket, we like to place a strong emphasis on those smaller, daring productions. My name is Sean Chandler, and I'll be your host. I am a seven-times produced, electronically published, and award-winning playwright. Not saying that to brag, just thought you'd like to know my general cred. We're coming to you from the Hell's Kitchen area of Midtown Manhattan, right smack dab in the middle of Broadway. People are asking me, why do you call this show your program is your ticket? Well, your program is your ticket is a helpful system very commonly used in smaller productions with tight budgets where your program serves as both your program and your ticket. It's these works that we'd like to highlight, and it's our goal on this show to feature as many of these productions as possible while still discussing the biggies. I love theater, and I see as much as I can wherever I go. During the travels of the production of My Husband and My Play at The Flash, I have met many wonderful people from all over the world in the theater community, and it is my honor to bring them on as guests to the show. Tonight's guest, our very first guest on our very first inaugural show, is... Chicago writer and composer Leo Schwartz. He's an awesome guy and just, he's a machine when it comes to writing musicals and, and, and music and concertos and all that stuff. He's just, he's just a genius. And he's a good friend of mine too. But first off, let's start the show with a little bit of theater news. So this weekend was Broadway Con and I decided that I was going to go to Broadway Con. So I got a pass for I think it was like $95 to go. And they have lots and lots of different uh, deals. But I just went for for one day because I wanted to check it out and see what it was like. And it was really, really cool, you guys. Um, I, I went in and I went down a level and there were all these different booths that had like Broadway.com and Playbill.com and and all of these various, various um uh, theater ensembles. We're discussing their their seasons and and all this great merchandise and 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 and, and books and and CDs and and, and and it was just great. There was a lot of uh, people in costume, which was really cool to see. Uh, a lot of um, a lot of the female characters from Hamilton, uh, particularly Maria Reynolds, who um, who is also known as. And I'm Peggy, if you're a Hamilton fan. There was a lot of that. Uh, she's, she's a favorite. Uh, in addition to that, uh, there, was, uh, there were several different classes and seminars that you can take. Um, classes like Kevin De Jesus, who, who was uh, part of the Spider-Man Turn Off the Dark um, cast. He was teaching like uh, uh, acrobatic-style dancing. Uh, John Rua from Hamilton and Hands on a Hard Body was teaching hip-hop dance classes. Anthony Rapp uh, from Rent and If Then uh, w- was teaching classes on the fine-tuning the performance of a song. A lot of the singers did that, or a lot of the performers just sang. Jen Kalea from Come From Away, which I can't wait to see, and uh, Rebecca Luker, who was a Mary Poppins and and uh, Fun Home. She's She's married to Danny Burstein. She was teaching a voice class as well. So they had these great voice classes. And then the other thing that they had was this uh, were these panels where they brought Broadway casts in and and they discussed their shows. And the one that I attended was a panel for 
Natasha, Pierre, and The Great Comet of 1812, which is on Broadway right now, and it, it features most popularly uh, Josh Groban. But they had the entire cast up there, and it was really cool because they were building their presentation on how on who started when with the process. And you could really see the beginning to end process of production with the show because they said, okay, these performers started when we started the show way, way, way back in the day. And forgive my shuffling of papers here, but I do have some facts. They started Natasha Pierre and the Great Comet of 1812. Uh, I'm I'm just going to call it Natasha Pierre for now because, you know, I'm trying to be a Broadway in person. So anyways, they started it back in October 16th of 2012 at a a theater group called Ars Ars Nova. Rachel Chavkin directed it. She's really like hot and up and coming right now. And it was, it was an immersive production um, that, that they then, well, they set it up in this temporary structure in the meatpacking district out here in New York. Um, and they they formed it as like this opulent Russian club where they performed the whole entire piece, and that was uh, a fourteen week limited run. In in um, actually, they then they moved it and they brought up a fourteen week limited run in September of two thousand thirteen. Um, I think no, they didn't move it. They did they did that at the casino as well. And um, it, 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 the show is really, really cool because it takes place all around you. The performers are everywhere. Uh, I've seen it twice. Um, the first time I saw it was at the uh, during the previews of the Broadway production, and the actress who plays Natasha literally sang about two stanzas of a song directly to me because I was sitting on stage. Yes, this is a show where you can sit directly on stage. Um, it, it, it was It was really cool. And uh, then the show moved in December of uh, 2015 for, it looks like, uh, about a, a month run to the American Repertory Theater in Cambridge, Massachusetts. And then um, it made its move to the Imperial Theater, where it plays now. I actually went and saw this show again last week because I wanted to see it from afar. Being on stage, I didn't really see a lot of the lights and the technical aspects, and my husband went and saw it, and... and um, with a friend of ours who's a writer, and he said the lighting was so great, which I missed a lot of that, but I was immersed in the production. So I saw it, and it's just a beautiful technical show. But what I wanted to feature was that it was that it, most of these shows start out really, really small, and they build up. And that's why it's important, I think, for us to go to these these smaller shows and give them their support so that there's an opportunity for that building process into the great pieces that we see today. And that's what uh, your program is ticket is all about is helping out to, to publicize that kind of thing and talk to people who I think participate in that. Speaking of which, um, let's get to our wonderful, wonderful guest. Um, his name is Leo Schwartz and he is based out of Chicago. He's a writer and composer and a two time Jeff award winner for his wonderful show, Under a Rainbow Flag, which is now called Honor. And it's it's just such an incredible show. And, and he's he's done so much more than that. So let's talk to him. Hi, Leo, and welcome to Your Program is Your Ticket. Hi, Sean. Thanks for having me. Oh, wow. It's just such an honor to have you as my first guest. Leo and I are... Are uh, are not only uh, friends, but we are also co-writers as well. So I have to give that little caveat there and let everyone know that we've 
written one project and we're working on a second one as well. So Full disclosure. Right. Full disclosure. <laughs> uh, Leo, tell us a little bit about yourself and, and your creative theater passion. Well, um, you know, I, I, my, my background is as a professional horn player, actually. I went to the Eastman School of Music and uh, I gave up playing the horn professionally after a pretty good career because I didn't want to be 58 years old, which is my age now, and playing my gazillionth performance of Swan Lake in some pit somewhere. <laughs> um, and I went into arts marketing and uh, did well at that. Uh, the thing was, uh, music is a very demanding muse, and I was able to get away from it for about a year, but then I started getting the itch again, and I thought, well, I don't want to play the horn anymore, so I'll start composing. And I love musical theater, so I went and took a musical theater writing workshop here in Chicago, which no longer exists, um, and started and started writing and, and, and started learning and just throwing stuff out there. Um, and the thing that really I really enjoy is sitting in an audience and seeing my work affect people. Um, and and uh, I'm, I, I think I'm particularly good at bringing up emotions of sadness and having people cry for the good reasons. But I'm also getting better at making them laugh. Hmm. Um, but it's, 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 very, it's just very satisfying for people to come out and say, oh, my God, that song made me cry so much. It's like, oh, good. I'm glad. I'm glad I caused suffering. <laughs> <laughs> um, tell us about your first project that you wrote. My first project, well, the first project to gain any note, let's do that was um, a little children's musical called Tickle Cakes, uh, which was a, a, a metaphor for uh, addiction, um, which got some notice. But the first uh, musical that really sort of started putting me on the boards was a musical called Me and Al, or How I Died in the St. Valentine's Day Massacre. Mm. That was presented in the Sony Showcase uh, for New Musicals that was held in Cardiff, Wales. Um, they hauled in a bunch of people from the West End to perform it. Uh, in a 45-minute uh, abridged version. Um, and it was a festival. It was very exciting. And, and it was transformative for me because coming back from uh, Cardiff, uh, flying back, I realized if I was going to do this and do this seriously, I needed to build a body of work. Um, so um, I got back and rearranged my life somewhat and just started writing like crazy. And boy, do you ever... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I do. I, I, you know, I, I'm coming up on James Brown as being the hardest working man in show business. I really do write a lot. <laughs> it's pretty crazy. It's true. Um, Leo's kind of uh, he's he's like a monster writer. He's just. Uh, I, I think that you you have that writer's pattern where you like sleep for four hours and then you get up and you write, and you sleep for three hours and you get up and you write. <laughs> Pretty much. I mean, you know, people are always surprised at the because <laughs> bedtime for me comes around about nine thirty, and I think I think being disciplined is really important when we're writers, and, mm -hmm. and I urge young writers to be as disciplined as they possibly can and write every day, even if they don't have something to write. Just write something, whether it be an exercise or uh, something. And uh, um, I'm usually at work by six a.m. Um, I write till twelve. Uh, noon, I have lunch, I take a nap, and then I, uh, I wake up again and start writing all over again until about five or six. Um, so I get a good uh, eight to twelve, eight to ten hours, sometimes eight to twelve hours in a day of writing. Um, and uh, uh, the thing about the nap, which I found really kind of exciting, is uh, my uh, subconscious seems to be 
refreshed, and that's where my best ideas come when when I'm just newly awake. It's mm-hmm. where the walls, the editor is shut down for a while. Um, and so some really fresh ideas come up again in the afternoon. So it's kind of an exciting thing to go take a nap because I know I'm going to wake up and be really creative again. It's almost like it, it gives your opportunity, your brain an opportunity to let it sift down. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and I call it putting it on the back burner to let it steep for a while. It's like, you know, the subconscious. Um, uh, uh, Vonnegut talks about this. Um, it, it is some of his most creative thinking is when he's walking the dog. Um, when, when I get stuck, I go for a walk. I walk the dog. I take a shower. Even going to the bathroom is as crass and as 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 uh, deme- as uh, base as that sounds. Can, <laughs> some, some of my best ideas come out on the throne. That's all I can say. <laughs> Among other things, but I'm Among fine. Other things, yes. <laughs> uh, what do you consider your forte or your specialty in writing? Um, my forte. I really, I really do think I can bring up emotions in people. I really think I'm very successful at that. My lyric writing has gotten a lot better. Um, I, I didn't always view myself as a lyricist. Um, now I do um, because I think my lyrics have, have because I work at them. Oh my God! I, oh, my forte. This is what my forte is. I'm a problem solver. I fix it. In fact, you've kind of, you kind of threw it at me the other day when you said that I, I sweat the small stuff. I really do. Um, and, and I, and I, and I just, I just tinker. I just tinker. I spent six hours the other day on half a measure. Now I wrote all around that half measure while I was trying to figure out how that half measure needed to be, to be uh, configured. But, um, um, and I wrote a lot of music that day, but it, it wasn't until I, I got that half measure finished and exactly the way I wanted it that I felt, ah, now I've accomplished something today. So I think I think my forte is my stick to itiveness, um, and I you know I just think I'm a damn fine composer, and um, um, you know, all ego aside, <laughs> you definitely deserve any and all ego that you have. Now, I always say that it's that one little thing that you can't figure out that gives you the biggest opportunity of genius. And I think that that I, I I just think that that holds true. It's like that one itty bitty teeny tiny problem where you can go in and you can solve that. Probably because not very many people can. So it gives us an opportunity to to really show our experience and uh, our creativity. Yeah, and I think that I, I think my best my best moments are mistakes. To be quite honest with you, it's like oh my god, look what I just did. Um, let's take advantage of that. Mm. Uh, I was really struck by, and I always forget his name, the guy who did the drip paintings back in the 50s and 60s. Um, he'd walk around the canvas and drip paint on it, and I can never remember his name. Oh. It's not, what is it, Jackson Pollock? Maybe? Pollock, yeah, Jackson yeah. Pollock. Um, I, my compositional process, particularly when I get to my concert music, because I write an awful lot of quote-unquote serious music, concert music, um, uh, as well, um, is very much that sort of drip painting. It's where I walk around the canvas of the score and and kind of throw stuff at it and see what it brings me, and that motivates me to do other things with the notes. Mm. Um, and something that... Uh, uh, he was a horrible teacher of mine, but he did teach me one good thing, my horn teacher in college. He said... He taught me that the composing end of the pencil has the eraser in it, and that's so true, mm-hmm. uh, is learning how to let go and edit and just throw it out, you know. 
Yeah, I, I agree. Well, you can always rewrite, and that's important to remember for us writers when we're putting so much pressure on ourselves to write perfectly the first time. And I don't, I very, I think I have maybe, there's one person that I know that I think writes perfectly the first time. <laughs> and um, um, that that person has been writing since, I don't know, since I was five years old. So Let's kill them. <laughs> no, he's actually a really good friend. <laughs> he's a really good friend, and he, and he played my, my husband's boyfriend in a movie that he just recently oh, okay. did. So. <laughs> but really, I mean, I don't, I don't get the one-draft wonders. I just... Mm. Um, and I, and I believe me, I've had to, I've had to lighten up an awful lot on myself because it's like, why isn't it perfect the first time? Because I'm not Mozart for God's sakes. Give right. yourself a break. <laughs> I mean, even Beethoven. I mean, Beethoven's sketches are just are just legend. He would work and rework and rework and rework till he got it the way he wanted it to sound. And I don't consider myself a perfectionist because perfectionists have a tendency to. Uh, be log jams and, and obfuscate. It's like, no, it's like, there's a certain thing that I'm looking for. Um, the biggest, the biggest, uh, warning sign to me is when my little internal editor says to me, maybe no one will notice. It's like, Oh no girl. They always notice. <laughs> <laughs> Someone, some, some mad theater queen out there is going to notice, you know, that for sure. Oh yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> As if I don't know, tell us about what you've been working on lately and where you are in the process of that. Oh, my God. It is just it's so exciting and it's it's so challenging. I am working on a uh, I, I, I guess the best title for it, the best category for it is a musical review uh, called We the People. Um, it was an idea uh, that I came up with after uh, the recent uh, uh, Michigas with the election Um and uh, I, I thought to myself, you know, um, I need to write a show about this, and um, uh, but I don't want it to be a book show. And I began to think of Songs of a New World, the Jason Robert Brown song cycle, and I thought, well, that might be kind of an interesting thing to do. And I contacted you mm-hmm. and said, here's the idea. Um, would you be interested in it? And you uh, gratefully uh, said yes. And, and then... Uh, you just started throwing your uh, gargantuan strength behind it, and it was just like the show just blossomed in terms of ideas and where it was going and the arc and everything. It was just, it was really exciting for me to to see what what you were coming up with and how we could do things. And um, so right now we've got close to sixteen song lyrics written. Mm-hmm. Um, I've got I'm, I've got about nine to ten songs finished compositionally. Um, we're getting ready to do um, two performances here in Chicago and hopefully going to bring it elsewhere. Um, and um, um, it's very exciting. We've got a music director. We've got a director associated with it, both here and, and uh, in New York, potentially. And, and I'm waiting to see. Uh, also, there are other aspects of the show, which I haven't seen yet, which I'm waiting to see <laughs> um, how they all come together. And uh, But it's, it's, a, it's, it's a great it's a great show to work, be working on because it, it, it deals, it grabs the bull by the horn and addresses it, but it's not preachy and it's not shrill, but it is in your face. Very much so. Yeah, it is in your face. <laughs> and I like to think it's balanced as well. Although both of us are liberals, it's, we've, we've got some, we've got some of the other side in there. We do. 
We yeah. do. I mean, as 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 much as, um, I, I, and I thought we, I thought we both agreed on this, and uh, uh, and I thought it was a good idea that we both agreed on it that we didn't want it to just be a trouncing of the other side. Yeah. Because um, you know, that would, that would make it that would make it a disingenuous work, and I think I think art has to be honest in some regards. Mm, I agree with you, and I love that you I love that you theorize your art. I do that as well. It's that's that's I think that's super important. Uh, what do you think is uh, a new, vital, important direction that theater is taking right now? Do you have any opinion on that? Oh, God, you asked the wrong person that. <laughs> As you know, um, I'm one of these people who doesn't see much. Um, I don't go out to see other people's work. Um, I don't listen to any music. Um, um, I only listen when I want to research. Um there's usually enough going on in my head to keep me busy. Um, so, uh, you know, I, I, there's one thing that I've noticed, and I find it a little annoying, but it is what it is, um, is uh, lyrics are getting wordier. And that, and as, as, as lyrics are getting wordier, um, which is not a bad thing if we don't lose clarity on them. I remember listening to a song that's very popular right now at a, at a particular show, and I won't mention which. Um, and everybody was just ooing and aahing over the song, and I, and I and I just I thought, what are they singing about? <laughs> or a, a particular uh, movie which is making great waves right now as a musical, and and I and I I just said, well, this is problematic because we finally get to a lyric hook, a brilliant lyric hook, and the song is over. Um, and we didn't, you know, and, and we don't, I mean, okay, La La Land, did not like La La Land. I wanted to like like La La Land, but I did not. Can I talk about this? Yes, but I loved it. I know you did. I know you did. Here's the reason why I had trouble with La La Land. Number one, it, it's that what are the songs about? I mean, there are reasons that we have lyric hit, uh, lyrical uh, hooks so we can know what the songs are about. All right, so. Uh, and, and there were a couple of hooks that were in there. The eleventh hour song that she sings was absolutely brilliant, but yeah. they lost. They, they, but but they only gave it eighty percent. I wanted it. There was just it was just missing one more one more bit. But you know, here's here's to the here's to the ones or here's to us or something like that. That's a great hook. Um, when they're leaving the party, uh, the last line of her song is "That's how you spend a wasted night." That's like. What a glorious lyric that is. And they didn't explore it. It came at the end. I wanted to hear that at the front and find out what these people are really feeling. And the other thing from a music, a music standpoint is compositionally, uh, it's, it's fine to write jazz. I mean, you can look at Noel, uh, you can look at uh, uh, Noel Coward and, uh, uh, not Noel Coward, um, who's the other guy? Uh, Cole Porter. Um, and uh, have lots of jazz chords and rhythms. But you've got to know how to play the vocal lines against the instrumental lines. You can't write an instrumental line, a vocal line like an instrumental line, or have the two of them juxtaposed because it's like trying to listen to two people singing different lyrics on the stage at the same time. You can only hear one. Mm -hmm. So those those were my problems with the show. Um, here's what I love about the show: Yay, musical theater, making it exciting again for people. So hire me to write the next musical movie. I'd be happy to do that. Sharknado the musical. Here I come. I'll do it. Hey, if they can make Xanadu into a musical, why not? I, you know, I will write anything if you pay me enough. <laughs> I am very, 
I have very, I have very low standards and very high tastes. <laughs> I think that should be the title of your autobiography: low standards and high taste. <laughs> Okay, we've got about three or four minutes left, so I'm going to ask you a couple of, of questions about um, your favorite types of people in the theater industry. Do you have a favorite? Okay. Do you have a favorite writer? Uh, Sondheim. Sondheim. Okay. Why, why do you like Sondheim so much? Um, I like Sondheim because of his his structure. Um, I mean, I mean, sometimes his his lyrics are clever by by two by half, um, but uh, I can sit there and, and listen to his music and just wonder at how he's how he's manipulating material. Mm. I mean, I'm almost convinced. So I have I've never sat down to study this. I've got because I don't like I have lots of time to do it. Right. But um, all of Sunday in the Park with George is based on those opening chords, um, and that would be so like him having stu- having studying with Milton Babbitt. That that would be so like him. But he 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 he's a very uh, a micro micro composer. Right. So that's why I like him so much. Yeah, he is one of those composers like you who will probably sit and obsess over the measure for three days. You yeah, can, thank you, you for that compliment. You can tell. <laughs> uh, do you have a, a mentor within the theater community? I don't, really. Um, I, I'm, I'm getting a lot more support uh, uh, in the community Um and, and I'm very grateful for that. Lots of actors and directors and music directors are, are interested in my work and will take my phone calls and talk with me. So, but I don't necessarily have one person I view as a mentor. Mm. Okay, um, that that's fine. But you do get a lot of support. You're well. You're very well known and, and you're very popular, uh, particularly in the Chicago theater community. Pretty pretty much everyone knows who Leo Schwartz is. Um, do you have you seen anything of late in Chicago? Any of this? Any small sort of production that you'd uh, give a thumbs up to? Well, not necessarily musical theater, but just last night, uh, my husband and I went out to see the Temperamentals mm-hmm. um, and uh, that uh, about face theater is doing. Right. Um, and what a fantastic play that was, and and just a really tremendous production. I think. Uh, Andrew Volkoff is the is the director of it, and uh, the staging and, and set design is just is just tremendous. And it's a little scary for its prescience about what's going on right now in the country mm-hmm. um, in terms of discrimination and, and that. But it's really really is a fine play, and uh, uh, and and you know that that was the last thing I, I, I've seen. That's good to know, considering the fact that I'm in a writer's group. Not that I'm dropping names here, but I'm in a writer's group with with the author of the play, John Morans, and he is a terrific uh, Pulitzer Prize-nominated uh, playwright. Not for that show, but for another show. And um, uh, he's, in, in addition to that, he's just a really swell guy, just very, very nice and down to earth, uh, and, and and very invested in in our group. Um, okay, well, before I let you go, why don't you give out some of your social media information? Tell us where we can find you. Well, you can find me on Facebook, Leo Schwartz Composer. Uh, you can go to my website, leoschwartz.com. No one had that URL, imagine, uh, leoschwartz.com. <laughs> um, and you can hear lots of examples of my uh, uh, musicals. Uh, you can see some video musicals, uh, my Book of Merman musical. 
Um, we are doing a reading of my musical Till here coming up about Emmett Till in February with a hopeful production in the fall. A wonderful musical. So, Love that musical. It, thank you. Um, and you can uh, hear some of it there. Uh, there and, and they will guide you to any individual websites for the that that my website leosports.com will guide you to any individual websites for my other musicals. Um, I am on Twitter as Leo Schwartz, uh, Leo Schwartz composer on Facebook. Um, yeah, I think if you just put there in a lot of there are actually there are a number of Leo Schwartzes out there, but none of them are composers. <laughs> um, and if you Google me, um, I actually come up pretty close to the top, um, which I'm surprised by. So, um, yeah. Very cool. Well, thank you so much for being with us, Leo. You were a terrific first guest. Oh, thank you so much. I was so flattered that you asked me to do this, and I look forward to hearing more of your podcast. Absolutely. Um, great. Uh, well, as I wrap up the show, I'd like to give up some shout-outs to some shows, or a show, or any show that um, I've I've seen that's on not on the Broadway level and that I like to talk about. And I did see a show a couple nights ago on Friday called Ring Twice for Miranda. It's a new play by Alan Ruska, H-R-U-S-K-A. It's at the New York City Center stage on stage two. And I love the City Center stage because they do things like the um, Encore series. And recently I, and that's, that's where they, like famous Broadway actors go and do readings of, of new shows, um, not actually old shows, making them new. And very often it's a launching point for Broadway revival productions. They're just, they're a great, uh, wonderful company. This show I thought was going to be kind of a door slammer about, about maids and butlers, but it started off kind of being like that and then ended up being something completely different and universal. So if you have a chance, please go see this show. Again, it's called Ring Twice for Miranda. Just a, a wonderful, incredible show, and um, and funny, and and kind of trippy towards the. I, I loved it anyway. So there you go. Well, folks, the proverbial eleven o'clock number has been sung, and the bows have been taken. So it's time to lower the curtain on this episode of your program is your ticket. I'd like to thank our wonderful guest, the awesome, esteemed Leo Schwartz from Chicago. So. Thank you again, Leo, for being with. Everyone, take a little time to see a show this week. There's ways that you can get cheap tickets if you need to. There's apps. There's going up to the box office. And some of them, just, sometimes you get free tickets. Don't forget to give a smaller show some love. There's a lot of theater gems out there. Now it's time for me to say goodnight to all you wonderful theater people and blackout. Have you ever wondered how your favorite performer actually feels? Well, here's your chance. Welcome to The Quiet Part Out Loud with me, Bobby Steggert, Broadway actor and now a therapist to a whole host of Broadway creatives. Part interview, part therapy, this is not your typical podcast. We'll go right to the heart of things with some of your favorite artists, what they still struggle with, what lessons they've learned, what they haven't figured out yet. There is enormous power in saying the quiet part out loud. Are you listening? Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theater Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theater professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work 
or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E dot org because only together we rise.